2: Miss something from the Todd Feinberg Show? Listen to the podcast on WTIC.com slash podcast. Good
3: afternoon, Todd, here after a long break. It's exciting to be back. I was tempted yesterday. I said, oh, I've got one more day. I'm ready to go back. Let me call Reese and see if he'd really rather not do it. But I I didn't want to. I didn't want to do it. To him, he was so excited every day coming on, and and uh, he had a great time. Thank you for being so nice to him and all. Eight six zero five two two nine eight four two joining us right now because the there was a special session was called for this week so that Democrats could propose, pass, and get signed into law more egregious, outrageous, un-American, inappropriate election-rigging legislation. Here to talk to us ab- about it is State Senator Gail Master-Francesco. She represents uh, State Rep uh, Gail Master-Francesco. She represents woolcott Gail, welcome.
4: Hi, Todd. How are you today?
3: Well, I've been on vacation, as you heard, Hi. so I'm all relaxed and and chilled, but I hate I hate this new politics of uh, all spending, all government action, all programs, new spending ideas. Everything has to do with how Democrats buy votes for themselves in rig elections. And the, uh, the fact that people go along with this, I find bothersome as well.
4: Well, you're right. They're, <clears throat> excuse me, they're constantly coming up with new programs and new handouts. Um, and then when the rubber meets the road, there's not enough money to fund these programs. It's always the middle class that have to pay for it.
3: Yeah, so so that's a really good point. I, I didn't even mention that part of it. Right now, because the federal government w- grabbed a bunch of money that didn't exist and sent it to Connecticut, the the bank accounts are full, and those will not be full in a couple of years. And, and we know that Democrats never cut spending, so that means that the increases in spending that are going on right now will be permanent, and there will be tax increases needed to make sure they can stay funded.
4: Right. And the perfect example of that is, so yesterday we went into session to deal with about five different issues. And as they do all the time, they lump this into one bill. So you can't vote on each part separately based on its merit, because this is just common, what they do all the time. And a perfect example of that, Todd, is the gas tax, right? So they they put in a to suspend the $0.25 cents gas tax up until December 1st, and um, it will still go through December 31st, but starting in January, they're going to phase it out.
3: Wait, so the $0.25 cent gas tax was originally done for how many months? Six?
4: Six months, and it was so, supposed to expire on December 1st.
3: Okay, and now they're... Extending it for one month and then gradually making it go away—is that it? Right.
4: They're take right. So they're taking that tax credit, that that tax um, incentive that we've given to the public away. So they're going to phase in the full amount of that twenty-five cents back in yep. over a period of months. Because so
3: all month. taxes must remain high and go up.
4: Correct. So a perfect example is. So they're trying to get back this revenue, but you never see them take away a program. Right. Right because they need to keep constantly funding it.
3: Isn't that remarkable all by itself that it isn't a routine thing and that voters don't expect it? Right. That you evaluate programs and you look at it and you say let this one that we put in place uh, 500 years ago it made sense 500 years ago, but, but, you know, for the last 150 years, it really hasn't made any sense, and it's time we phased it out. Just for show, couldn't they do that with something?
4: Well, and the state has pl- apparently the state has plenty of money right now. They should have just continued extending that tax break, that $0.25 cents tax cut, all the way through, through, through the end of June. So we did try to put an amendment in there to make the full $0.25 cents stay until uh, the end of June, but that was rejected.
3: But why not uh, just get rid of it permanently?
4: Permanently. I, I completely agree. I completely should, shouldn't even be there at all. Of course, they... I mean, governments
3: should be going down in size and, and getting cheaper.
4: Right. They need to stop spending because... Well, of you... but
3: their, their game plan, the Democrats' game plan, is to always waste as much money as possible with existing programs and to add new programs all the time.
4: They, they do this. You're right. They do this all the time. They create these new programs that knowing clearly they do not have the money to fund it. And to me, they're they're just they're schemes. Uh, just like before the election, they're just gimmicks.
3: So, Gail, I'm I'm really interested as somebody who talks about politics on the air and wants to get people on a shared wavelength about what we do next, about how we try to fix the state. Mm-hmm. And there there isn't it doesn't seem there's that there's a receptive audience to rational ideas about. About what's going on with government, people like this free stuff government. And how do you imagine that you're going to talk to voters about this in such a way that that they're not mad at you for not promising them free stuff? If if the, in other words, if all voters become accustomed accustomed to government just being a piggy bank, doesn't that put people who are responsible, like Gail Master Francesco, in in a predicament?
4: Um, I, I, it could, but I think we just need to educate the public one person at a time. You know, I believe today people think the role of government is to take care of them um, instead of you taking care of yourself. You know, America was not founded on the principles that you are guaranteed a certain lifestyle. It was, it was founded on the principle that you will have every opportunity to be what you want to be.
3: Yes, and what runs hand-in-hand with that principle is the idea that government should have as little power as possible because small government is essential to having big liberties in the the hands of individual citizens. And the bigger the government gets, that requires smaller power in the hands of the people to be able to drive the economy and to make good things happen in the world. Government doesn't make any good things happen. Government is a cost center that gets bigger all the time and in order for it to get bigger it has to take away from the producers
4: right and that it's just a redistribution of wealth right
3: I, I don't even like using a phrase like that because it gets I mean you're right but but it also gets said so much I feel like people don't understand what it means they can't redistribute wealth if they're not taking from people who otherwise would be building a business or buying a new car or doing something to drive the economy redistribution means the government's taking money out of the productive realm and puts it where dollars go to die.
4: Absolutely. You're 100% right. And people have become today so much dependent on the government. So, for example, in the bill that we passed, that was passed last night, of course, I could not support it because there were so many parts of that bill to me that were so egregious. Like what?
3: Tell us what outrage you the most um, well, about this well, special one, session I legislation. I do
4: not agree with phasing out the uh, gas tax holiday. That's number one. That's a no-brainer. It should be permanent. The second part of it was the premium pay to essential workers. So are you familiar with that?
3: Well, this is legislation that was passed, and it was a fixed amount of money. Too many people applied for the program, and it became embarrassing how little each one was going to get because they were promised, what, $1,000 each?
4: Yeah, I believe if you made, like, between 100 and 150000 something to that effect, you were guaranteed $1,000. But just think about that. These are private people. These are um, supposedly essential workers that the CDC determined that were essential. I think they went under, like, 1A and 1B, if you look at
3: that. But there are also people who were doing work they were getting paid for. They were in their jobs. It,
4: exactly. Those were the jobs that they were hired to do. And if you think about it, what is the government doing getting involved with the private sector? And Just And rewarding people for a job that they already get paid for. Pandering. I'm not saying that they didn't work hard. But if you look at during the pandemic um, how many businesses were forced to close permanently, how many people have lost their jobs and have disrupted their lifestyles forever. And now you have people that have had the opportunity they were fortunate enough to be able to still go to work, and they are getting rewarded
3: so this piece of legislation expanded the amount of money, so everybody who's applied by the deadline could get a thousand dollars is that what it was
4: well they actually they i think the original program started out at a payment of a thousand if you were under just like a hundred thousand, mm-hmm. but now they changed it to if you were like under fifty thousand, you're going to get a thousand and it scales it all the way down to You'll get receive a check for $100.
3: okay. So it's still a, a lousy thing in every way, but they've uh, they've rearranged it so it's not so detrimental to Democrats running for office in a couple of years.
4: Right, and again, it's the middle class that pays for it. I mean, it's outrageous that that and anybody would be getting this premium pay. And I'm not saying that they didn't work hard. We all worked hard. There's people out there that maybe grocery, that worked in the grocery store or maybe in the gas station or whatever. They're not considered, maybe not considered essential workers. In my mind, mm-hmm. every worker in the state is essential. It doesn't really matter what the CDC does. And
3: the, go- does. the government is in no position to judge who's doing heroic work and who isn't. It, it's... It's patently absurd to make that kind of observation. There are people who did things for which they nobody in, in the larger world has any regard for the amount of danger they might have put themselves in or or not.
4: Yes, I'm, pe- people continue to work. They're dedicated to, to their profession. Um, they do a good job. They didn't do it because they figured, oh, I'm going to be a hero or I'm going to get some kind of a premium pay. If an employer wanted to pay them extra money for the extra work that they did, then that's great. So be it. But for the government to come in and start picking I always say winners and losers, right? Because they do that very often.
3: Yes, but again, this is taking money out of the pockets of people who are struggling to drive the old jalopy down the highway to get to work, who are making the smallest amounts of money in the state, and they're taking money out of the pockets of those workers so that they can use it to wipe out the memory of the horrible things they did to the state to destroy the economy and make people's lives miserable by mishandling COVID uh, during that crisis uh, two and a half years ago. And it's just appalling that they use our money to buy votes with. You know, if, I wouldn't mind so much if they were bribing people to vote for them using their own money. If Ned had to, you know, take $20 million out of out of his $100 million or whatever he's worth, and buy votes with it you know it's it's not particularly legitimate but at least it would be visible to everybody but this is gross that they use our money they they hurt working people in order to buy votes from working people
4: yeah oh, absolutely this money should have been spent to strengthen Connecticut's economy you know reduce taxes for everyone make businesses um more affordable, take regulations off of them. There's so many different areas that they could have used this money money for. They could have really benefited everybody.
3: We're talking to State Representative Gail Master francesco from Wolcott. Gail, we've got to take a break. Do you have more you want to tell us? Do you sure. want to stay? Sure. Okay. I'll Gail, we'll put you on hold, and we will get back to you. Then we'll take some phone calls, 860 This is WTIC.
2: It's the Todd Feinberg Show, live from the NJ Diet Studios on WTIC News Talk 1080.
3: We're talking to Gail Mastro-Francesco. She's a state rep from Wolcott. All right, Gail, special session. Is it all done? Did it all happen yesterday?
4: It all happened. <clears throat> yes, it did. It all happened yesterday. So we'll go back into session on uh, January 4th. We get. And
3: morning. did you guys get a chance to see this bill before you were asked to vote on it?
4: I, earlier in the morning, we probably saw it around, uh, I don't know, maybe 11 o'clock. We, and what
3: time was the vote?
4: Well, we went into session at 12.
3: And so, uh, so you had an hour to peruse it yeah. and figure out what kind of uh, hidden scams there are in there?
4: Yeah. And it, listen, I look at a bill and you have to, you know, it's unfortunate. we It was abuse of power because we asked to divide the question so we can vote on each part separately. Yep. And of course, they refused to do that. But you you know, when I look at a bill, I look at something as soon as it glares out to me, is it unconstitutional, is it more handouts for people, is it more government control? And as soon as I see that I don't really need to read any further.
3: Was there anything else in there besides the elements that you told us about?
4: Yes, there was some um extra funding for the um, energy assistance program. That was that program was underfunded for the LIHEAP, they call it addition mm-hmm. for low income energy. Heating assistance program. And the problem with there is that the government gives us so much money, federal government, on a yearly basis. Yep. But what happened is there's unemployment is high, so more people are on the plan. There's, it costs more for fuel and for to heat your homes today. So that cost has gone up. So say a family was given maybe 2000 or $3,000 in energy assistance funding. Now they're only going to get about $600. So
3: You're talking about last year to this year? Yeah. Yeah, Mm -hmm.
4: because heating costs have gone up, and there's so many more people on the program because of the economy that we have here in Connecticut.
3: Okay, so more people are collapsing in their home economies and needing desperately some help paying the bills. Exactly. And this is caused by the great leadership of the Democratic Party, so they want to take our money and send it to these key constituencies who are suffering so that they're not out there begging on the streets.
4: Right, and there was also a part, and they were extended, uh, the free bus rides. If you remember, they put, like, yep. 10, 10 into free bus The rides. empty so buses. We, yeah, so we extended that. But what's what I was kind of, i got to be honest, I was really disappointed yesterday is that I was hoping that more of my colleagues would have voted no on this bill based on What, the didn't
3: every Republican vote no?
4: No, no, there was only, actually, only seven of us uh, that, wow. voted, that voted no. And kudos to uh, Kimberly Fiorello, Ann Dauphine, John Piscopo. You know, Mike France with Betts, um, there was a few of us, and myself, obviously, that we had voted no, and I was hoping more of my colleagues would see what this bill actually does. It's just a Band-Aid. They're constantly throwing more money at a problem instead of getting to the core root of it and trying to fix it. And this Band-Aid is going to come off soon, and I want to tell you it's going to sting pretty hard, but it's going to sting the middle class the most. Because well, they will you, never, you, they will always fund these programs.
3: And your your point before that these are illegitimate Band-Aids. These are stolen Band-Aids. Right. That are uh, not appropriate. So Correct. that's All right. Anything else, Gail?
4: Uh, that's it for now. I mean, I can go on forever, but we'll certainly chat another time. The, the session's
3: coming up. That we up, shall. They sure will do more evil stuff. There'll that's be what more they evil do.
4: stuff coming across that we'll be able to talk about.
3: <laughs> Thank you, Gail.
4: Thank you, Ted, And You have a wonderful Christmas.
3: Thank you, you too. Gail Master Francesca, state rep from Wolcott. you're lucky there in Wolcott. We'll go to Don in East Hartford. Hi, Don.
5: Hey Todd.
3: Hope you had a great Thanksgiving.
5: Yes, I did. Um, listen, you, why are you always complaining about about um free money from the Democrats to buy votes? Did you know that the last election that just went by, the um the governor and the and the Democrats won. By from the vote that came from the suburbs and not the inner city. If you oh, well, they got so, I, 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 I wouldn't the,
3: quite put it like that. They The Democrats got less votes from the city than yes. they usually do. Yeah. Uh, but the suburbs but that but, oh, but everybody likes free out. money.
5: It was the suburb that came out in numbers this time around, Todd, not the city,
3: which means what? Why are you excited about this?
5: So because you're always beating up on the city, saying that they are the ones who keep electing. Rip Democrats and they get nothing for it.
3: So why this do time, you think? Uh, why do you think urban voters have suddenly realized that Democrats are the plague?
5: Yeah, I don't know why they didn't turn out this time. To be honest, like like they usually do. But I'm just trying to tell you that this time around, when the Democrats got elected, the, the people in the suburbs came out in greater numbers. Yes. that should say something to you.
3: Well, it it says that the vote buying schemes work. Yes.
5: So are you saying the people in the suburb
3: are being bought too? Well, have you looked at what the uh financial ranges of these free things they give away are? No. Sometimes they'll go like they'll say there'll be a hundred and twenty five thousand, a hundred and fifty thousand, one hundred and seventy five thousand caps. They they <laughs> these are not for poor people, these programs. Yeah the average what's the average uh salary in in the, i think the average income in the state is 50 grand per working person is that right and that's what gail was just saying you get the full thousand dollars on the uh on the uh essential workers thing if you're making 50 grand and under they know what they're doing mike in canton hey mike
6: hey todd so first my disclaimer uh during this whole pandemic thing. I worked as a paid fireman in a fire department that ran medical calls,
2: mm-hmm. and
6: I am 100% adamantly opposed to this ridiculous, insulting hero's pay incentive.
3: So you're and saying you were on the front lines and eligible for this pay, so why are you against it?
6: I got, I got my hero's pay every week. I, listen, none of us were drafted into these jobs. We took a test, a competitive exam. They then you sit down, they tell you in the interview you're going to see death, destruction, blood, dying, this and all, Armageddon. And then you come to work on your own volition. We don't need extra pay. We did our jobs. Where's, where's the moxie in this nation that we think we need to get extra pay or heroes pay for doing our jobs? So do you
3: find it job? offensive? You're, are you insulted by this?
6: I, one, absolutely I'm insulted. Well, I, As a taxpayer— I'm insulted, but also as a civil servant, I'm insulted. I did my job, and that's what we do. We do our jobs. It's civil service, the operative word being service.
2: It's Mm -hmm. not an
6: entitlement. You go, you get between people's bad day and them, you put yourself in harm's way, but there's no surprises (laughs) there. They told you this when you took the job. Yeah. And we don't need heroes pay. You know what needs heroes pay. The guy in the gas station, the guy in the grocery store, the gal... The, the gal that's the clerk here and there, we this is ridiculous. This is civil service. They should just remove that incentive from any civil service position. You're doing your job, and you're already getting your hero's pay, which is the taxpayer's money because you work for a municipality. They're already paying your salary. Yes, It's an absolute insult, and anybody with an ounce of dignity in this position in civil service, police, fire, EMS, they wouldn't apply for it.
3: It's it's remarkable, I and I love how you've I, I love how you've phrased it, Mike. You've made it very clear that you're already being paid to put yourself in the line of fire. So why do you need a bonus for putting yourself right. in the line of fire?
6: Right, that's your job. You signed up for it. Mm-hmm. You, you weren't drafted. You're coming on your own volition every day. If you don't want to do that, do you, that you
3: notice though, Mike, that people are pleased about this?
6: I'm not. Yeah, people, but we talk people. to most anyone people else that I know aren't pleased about it. But most people, unfortunately are going to belly on up to the public trough. They're going to feed their fat pie holes off of this thing, and it's an insult to us. It really
3: All right, is. Th- thank you for uh, seeing things clearly and for announcing it so nicely, Mike. Appreciate hearing from you. His karate lessons might
0: not turn him into a black belt. hi And even after band camp, he might not be the greatest musician.
3: That's Mike from Canton saying it pretty nicely. What do you think about this heroes pay stuff? It's it's pretty gross. To, well, the whole the way they spend your money. What do you think about that? 8605229842. This is WTIC
4: thousand dollars and pay off those credit card balances. Apply online and you could get your money as soon as the day you apply. The average credit card company charges over 19% APR but with Lightstream you can get a fixed rate as low as 7.99% APR with auto pay and excellent credit
6: now I can pay off my high-interest credit cards and save money with a much lower rate.
4: Apply today at lightstream.com slash radio
0: and get an additional interest rate discount. That's lightstream.com slash radio. Lightstream.com.
2: It's Todd Feinberg. It's Todd Feinberg. Monday through Friday, 3 till 6 on WTIC News Talk 1080. 1080. One
3: of the things I really enjoy doing with my... Vacay time was catching up on reading and podcasts. I like the podcast in particular because you get some really smart people now who know stuff inside out. And Lex Friedman is a, um, I believe he's an artificial intelligence researcher at, or developer at, at MIT who does a podcast, brilliant guy. And he has these really smart people on talking about things that are really interesting. and. One of the shows he had, I'll be playing clips from this, I suspect, all week. Uh, But, well, just because the climate change thing is so top of mind and it's so important to discuss, you know, because we're getting scammed. We are getting scammed. And the question that you should ask yourself isn't, is climate change real or are humans influencing it? Because if it's true that we can do something to stop climate change, then that's something we should analyze, whether the proposals that are on the table make sense. Because what's happening is Democrats are running around pushing things, like the governor, this TCI gas tax of his. He wants to drive up artificially the cost of buying a, a gallon of gas in the state. He wants to add a new tax to it that comes along with a cap on the amount of gas that can be sold in the state. This will can only drive up the cost of driving and make the state less competitive economically. But Democrats are committed to this idea of cutting off the supply of fuel before there is replacement technology. And that's what they're doing right now. And it's 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 nuts. It's tragic. It's making the state unaffordable already. And and look at what's happening to energy prices because of things like Joe Biden deciding when he came into office to, to make his number one priority this scheme of making it less affordable to be an American, curbing the American economy by cutting off some of the availability, fuel, and driving up the cost. Like, that's his deliberate policy. Just like it was his policy to uh, make it easier for people to come into the country illegally, doesn't make much sense, but that's what Democrats favor. in fact, so here's one of these cuts. this is uh, this is from Lex Friedman's podcast, and this guy is a um, I'm trying to think which guy's talking here. On, in this cut, I think it's the guy from the New York Times, an economist writer from The New York Times, I believe. But I could
8: be wrong about that. I'll check their bios for you. In fact, Lawrence Bauer has. For, I first wrote on his work in 2010 in the New York Times. And basically, in 2010, there was no sign in the data of climate change driving disasters. No disasters indicated by the data on climate change in
3: his. Just listen to this one little statement he makes. He's talking about how misrepresented
8: a lot of this stuff is. In fact, Lawrence Bauer has. I first wrote on his work in 2010 in the New York Times. And basically, in 2010, there was no sign in the data of climate change driving disasters.
3: Now, this is, these both of these guys on this podcast, being interviewed on this podcast, believe that climate change is a problem that needs to be dealt with. But they also believe it's being misrepresented completely, dramatically, substantially.
8: Climate change is up here. Disasters are on the ground. They depend on how many people are in the way.
3: Hear, hear this little comment. This, this is incredibly powerful. Once again.
8: Climate change is up here. Disasters are on the ground. They depend on how many people are in the way.
3: Disasters on the ground depend on how many people are in the way of particular weather events. So one of the stories he tells about how things go wrong with understanding the truth about climate change Well, they prefer to call it global warming. They think that's a more accurate term. So I've got to relearn global warming because sometimes I slip into the climate change thing. Anyway, they talk about how the storms that we see, say hurricanes, for example, are are predictable. Not that we know when each one is going to occur, but there's a similar number each year. And they tend to hit the same places. And what you can learn from looking at these events, the patterns of these big storms is that there's certain places you shouldn't build homes. And guess where we build homes? Right in the path that it predictably is going to be made vulnerable. So he talks about this in Florida, how in in the last, uh, I forget, 40 years or something, they've built, 7 million homes, new homes, to add into the 660,000 that were there before. It's just nuts what we do. And the federal government guarantees the flood insurance. So we have the federal government paying people to move to Florida and build a house in the path of hurricane. This is how much we we get distorted views of of what's actually going on because the – punchline here is that when the storm hits and people lose their homes, destroyed by a storm that was predictable, damage done to a home that should not have been built where it was built, incentivized to be built by the federal government, When that when that happens, we've known it all the time and we're paying for it. How much stuff you built in the way?
8: And so far, we've done so much of that so fast in the 20th century, particularly, that it completely dominates. It makes it hard, impossible to discriminate how much of that disaster was from the change in weather from global warming.
2: So a function of...
8: So in other words, they
3: try to do all these estimations about what effect climate change is having, global warming is having on the power of storms and they don't know they don't know
9: right that is what the sign i i think you know it's perhaps worth saying and it's a little depressing that you always have to say but i think it's worth saying that i think we both really do oh, yeah. accept you know the oh, yeah. climate panel uh science and the, you know there's absolutely global warming it is an issue uh and it's probably just worthwhile to get it out of the it's way it's an issue um, and it's caused by humans it's caused by humans yeah
8: Okay. But vulnerability, the losses that are driven by climate-related events still predominantly are caused by humans, but on the ground. It's where we build stuff. It's just driving
3: driving the point home that we build homes. We move to places that are in the way of disasters that we know are coming. This is big in California where the, the land is too expensive now for most people to buy homes or to build homes on new land in california in the places that are safe to build so some people want to live there so badly they build in places where it's unsafe based on forest fires or whatever kind of natural disaster and then stories that used to just be stories about a fire now are about human disaster, which puts a face on it and makes it look like when the media just—by by the way, the media covers all this like it's just about global warming. They cover it as a global warming story, not as look at these, look at how dumb our society is. We've got the federal government providing financial incentives to build a house in a place where it's going to get burned down or, or hit by a storm.
8: Pakistan. In 1960, I just looked these data up, there were 40 million people in Pakistan. Today there are 225 million, and a big chunk of them are still rural. They live in the floodplain of the amazing Indus River, which comes down from the Himalayas. Extraordinary 5,000 year history of agriculture there. But when you put 200 million people in harm's way, and this doesn't say anything about the bigger questions about, oh, shame on Pakistan for having more people. It just says the reality is, the losses that we see in the news are and and the science finds this even though there's a new weather attribution group it's a WX risk on Twitter this does pretty good work on how much of what just happened was some tweak in the storm from global warming from co2 changing weather but and the media glom onto that as I did you know in the 80s 90s 2000s but the, and the reports also have a section on, by the way, the vulnerability that was built in this region was a, was a big driver of, of loss. So for, discriminating between loss, change in what's happening on the ground, and change in the climate system is never solely about CO2.
3: So the thing that gets presented to us as being a catastrophe... Caused by CO2 in the atmosphere is not. CO2 is an element, according to these guys, who believe, you heard them say it, they believe climate science. But they think that the story is being told to us in such a way as to bias our perception of reality. That there is no catastrophe going on. There is an inconvenience going on that could cost a lot of money. But of course a lot of the reason it's costing a lot of money is because of the false billing of the global warming situation as a climate crisis 8605229842 don't forget call on a rant 8607514698 We'll do the rants uh, during the 5 o'clock hour. Coming up on
2: WTIC. Now, back to the Todd Feinberg Show, live from the NJ Diet Studios on WTIC News Talk 1080.
3: Yeah, welcome back. Hope you had a good Thanksgiving. Anything go particularly well that you were excited about Thanksgiving-wise? It's just the best. Does anyone disagree that the holiday, Thanksgiving is the best holiday because it's a togetherness holiday? It's like how July 4th, what July 4th has become, which is a family cookout day in the hot sun and maybe a parade. And and Thanksgiving, you don't, you know, you sit in the house and you, for me personally, it's being with family who I, a lot of whom I don't see, but for once a year. And it's, it's very exciting. And eating isn't bad either, is it? 860 I 9842 I want to play you a little more of these guys who are on the Lex Friedman podcast talking about climate change. And they're, uh, they're heavyweight people who are very, very honest, it seems, and provocative as a result in their support for the science of global warming. And the belief that it is a situation that's going on, but also the belief that it is being overplayed and overwrought.
9: And and so I think uh, a lot of scientists are very focused on saying, can we measure whether global warming had an impact, which is an interesting science question. I think it's it's very implausible that eventually we won't be able to say it has an impact. But the real question, it seems to me, is if we actually want to make sure that people are less harmed in the future, what are the levers that we can control? And it turns out that the CO2 lever uh, doing something about climate is an incredibly difficult and slightly inefficient way of trying to help these people in the future. Whereas, of course, zoning. Making sure that you have better housing uh, 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 rules, what is it, uh, regulations, yeah. uh, that that you maybe you know don't have people building in the flash flood. Late. Yeah. What was it called? Flash flood alley. Uh, flash and, flood alleyway. Uh, yeah, yeah. It's it's just simple stuff, and and because we're so focused on this one issue. We sort of uh, it It almost feels uh, sacrilegious to to talk about these other things that are much more in our power and that we can do something about much quicker and that would help a lot more people. So I, I think this is uh, this is going to be a large part of the, the whole conversation. You know, yeah. yes, climate is a problem, but it's not the only problem. And there are many other things where we can actually have a much, much bigger impact at much lower cost. Maybe we should also remember those. Can you
3: isn't that amazing? I mean, he's laying it right out that you, if you're going to talk about the climate, if you're going to talk about global warming, if you are going to make a case for there has to be a human response, he, he's basically arguing that, you know, if you're doing uh, the reduction of CO2, for example, that you'll be spending as a country, like Europe, he says, is going to be spending $1 to $2 trillion per year in another 20 years or so in order to accomplish a reduction in CO2 emissions that will accomplish virtually nothing. It will be hard to notice in doing measurements, the effects it has. And and he's saying that you know if it costs you uh, a buck to get 60 cents worth of return on that investment, which is what he figures, something like that, is uh, what's gonna happen with climate. But you could be spending that money on something that gets you multiples of $1. You could be getting 10 or 20 or 40 bucks back for every dollar you spend if you're, if you're trying to tackle something that, that we know how to tackle. Which makes you wonder what's wrong with these uh, Democrats, with these proposals? Why are they so eager to harm our economy? Why do they want us weaker? going into a storm that we need great financial strength. If you were to believe their predictions, the only way to survive global warming is to be bringing in tons of money and spurring as much economic activity as possible, which requires that you use the fuels that we have available, the fossil fuels that they don't want used. It's, it's a, as we've suspected, it's a, it's a hustle that's going on here, I, or maybe many hustles. And we've got to defend ourselves from that. Love this. It's the Lex Friedman podcast. We'll play more of it as this day and others go on. His karate lessons might not turn him into a black
0: belt. And even after band camp, he might not be the greatest musician. But with the 3% annual percentage yield you can earn on a PenFed premium online savings account, your goal of supporting his dreams... Thanks for everything, Mom and Dad. ...will always be worth it.